Hey, thank you for including us in your day. Welcome to The Quest. We are so grateful that you tuned in today, especially if you're a guest. We are so grateful that you are checking us out. If, in fact, you are checking us out, and it doesn't even matter if you're checking us out or not, if you just happen to be viewing, we encourage everyone to scan the QR code that's right there. That QR code will help you connect to us. It'll help you discover more about who we are and what our passions are and who we are as a church. It'll allow you to fill out a connection card. It'll allow you to give online. There's many different things that'll allow you to engage with us as a church community, which we would love to do. But as we always say this as well, if you are checking us out, many people like to check us out from the back row. In other words, they don't really necessarily want to engage in any kind of commitment or any type of personal engagement. And if that's you, we get that as well. We're just glad that you're with us. We just want to make it easy for you if that's in fact something that you would like to do is to build relationship with us. Listen, before we get into the talk, I just want to remind you that all of our talks are available in podcast form. All you have to do is scan Fresno Quest Church and you'll find us on any of the podcast platforms that you are part of. So let's pray together as we get into the talk. Father, we love you. I thank you for every person that's viewing, every person that's watching, every person that's listening. You know their lives and you know what they're facing. You know the details of their lives and the concerns of their lives. And Father, we just come to you and we cast those anxieties upon you. Father, we know that of all the things going on, that we are absolutely certain that you love us and you care about us, that you not just know what's going on, but you are working on our behalf. And so today, Father, for the needs of our lives and Father, for the concerns in our lives and for those things that are priorities and issues that we're dealing with, Father, we ask for wisdom, strength, healing, courage. We need faith. Father, we need you in our lives to move forward in the direction that you're leading us to. Give us peace in turbulent times. Give us faith in times of doubt and despair. Father, I just ask that you would embrace each person that's listening, and Father, that you would speak into their hearts personally about their issues, about their concerns, about the things that are going on in their lives. Speak life into each one of us, we ask. And Father, we're just so grateful for you so grateful for your love in our lives, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are excited. We're beginning a brand new series today entitled My Family Circus. And if you're a part of a family in any capacity, then you understand that every family has the tendency to be a circus. Whether it's a car full of crazy little ones, it seems like a car full of clowns. Navigating relationships seems like you're walking a tightrope. You're always juggling demands that life seems to be throwing at you. And everything just seems to be like a balancing act. There's so many things going on in life that it's hard to keep up with the demands of life. And especially trying to keep our lives in a capacity that's honoring God. Yes, a family can feel like a circus, but it can also be the greatest show on earth. In this series, we're going to be looking at the dynamics and demands of the family circus. Where we do life in a way that eliminates the crazy elements. The scripture gives us rich and meaningful directions of what a healthy family looks like. From raising kids to filling our roles as adults. What it means to lead, love, and support family. What it means to serve not just our kids, but our spouse as well. I want to remind you of something I think is really important. You can write this down in your notes. It's this. No circus is a one-man show. No circus is a one-man show. There are many characters in the circus and many people are required to play an important and supportive role in the family dynamic. 
I say this especially for single parents. My heart goes out to you. I don't know how you do it at times. I know that the demands are great. I can only imagine that you feel the weight of all the responsibility and you have no one to share that with. I feel like it's way too much for one person. So if you're a single parent, I would say this to you and you can write this down. Be willing to share your load with people that love you. If you find yourself feeling like you're a one-man show or a one-woman show, you're not designed to carry the weight of your family alone. You have extended family. You have parents. You have friends. You have friends that are like family. Allow people that offer you help to actually help. Another thing to write down, and this applies to all of us, and that's this. Be willing to share the load of those that need you. It's easy to get lost in our own three-ring circus and forget that we are to help others that need us. It's easy to get lost and overwhelmed with our own demands and we don't look for ways to help others. Galatians 6 says this, it says, help carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will follow Christ's teaching. Carrying the burdens of one another is an important part of what it means for us to come alongside others and help. But something else we need to remember in being available to help other people is this, what the scripture tells us. It says, religion that God accepts as pure and without fault is this, caring for orphans or widows who need help, as also keeping yourself free from the world's evil influence. When it comes to single parents, a lot of them carry this on their own. They need supportive roles around them. They need others that care about them. It's something that God asks us to do because it's who God is as well. Listen to this scripture in Psalms. It says, God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. When we come alongside the single parent, when we care about them, when we invest our lives in them and, and offer ourselves to be a support system to them, we're doing the work of God. We're caring for the fatherless. We're caring for the widows. I just don't want you to lose sight of that, especially when it comes to the family dynamic and what a family feels like a circus. Listen, the single parent really needs other people to come alongside and care for them and to care with them to share the responsibility that they have to carry alone. So I want to begin the series this week with something I think that is really important that you need to write down, and that's this. Every circus, every family needs a ringmaster. The ringmaster is the one that directs the activities of the show, the one that calls the shots, the one that gives direction, and many people take on this role of being the ringmaster themselves. They try to control their own show, which ultimately results in chaos and confusion. But when we allow God to be our ringmaster, he can turn a three-ring circus into the greatest show on earth. Listen, when we accept Jesus and put our faith in Jesus, when we surrender our lives to God, his spirit then moves into our lives. Listen to this great scripture. It says this, Haven't you learned that your body is the home of the Holy Spirit that God gave you and that he lives within you? Your own body does not belong to you. God's spirit doesn't just move in because he needs a place to stay. He moves in to lead us and direct us, to guide us. That's what Galatians tells us when it says this, since we are living by the Spirit, since we get our life from the Spirit of God in us, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. God gives us His Spirit to be the ringmaster of our lives, to lead, 
guide, and direct us. We want a Christ-centered home where the Holy Spirit is the ringmaster in our home. He calls the shot. He gives direction. He directs the actions and the activities of our life. He directs the actions and activities of our home. So what does a Christ-centered home look like? Why is that so important to us? And if that is, in fact, important, how do we make Christ the center of our home? I grew up in a home where we didn't have just one Bible on the table. We had many Bibles on the shelf. We also had artwork around the house with Bible verses a part of them. And all the artwork in the home would all direct attention to who Jesus was. But is that what a Christ-centered home is? I'm not saying that it's bad. Is that what it means to have a Christ-centered home? Does a Christ-centered home happen because we put a, a big Bible and we open it up on the coffee table? Or does it happen because we, we say grace at mealtimes? Does it happen because we go to church on Sundays? These are all good things. I'm not dogging any of them, but I'm saying they don't establish Christ as the center of our home. Because a Christ-centered home is more than artworks and artifacts and rituals or ceremonies. Again, I'm not minimizing any of those. See, our home reflects the values and the heart of the people that live in that home. So the scripture we read earlier really shows us something important. You can write this down. A Christ-centered home reflects Christ-centered lives. Christ-centered people. A Christ-centered life is when our relationship with Jesus is central to everything that we do. Our love for Jesus determines how we love each other and how we live together with each other. What we decide to do with our time together. It's like what Paul says in Romans 12. Great scripture. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Allow God to have access and to be a part of every area of your life. We all have people and things that are important in our lives, but as Christ-centered people, an important question that we need to ask in this is this you write down. Who is most important in my life? And I'm not talking about rating your family members on who's your favorite. The reason this question is so important is because who is most important determines what is the priority of our lives. The challenge that we all face is that our job and our kids and our spouse, our hobbies, our possessions and our nature all fight to be number one in our lives. But there's only room for one number one. A Christ-centered home is about Jesus being number one in our lives and in our home, the priority of our lives. Paul said it this way. He says, yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It's dog done. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ. Jesus becomes the person that our lives evolve around. So what's important to him then becomes important to us. So what his word, the Bible says, determines how we live our lives, where we invest our time, how we invest our time. Please don't misunderstand me. This is not about being legalistic. In fact, it can't be legalistic. This is not about a show and it's not about rituals and it's not about all these rules. This is about our personal priority that governs our life. We all have personal priorities that determine how we live our lives. And only we can change those priorities. I can't make you change your priorities. 
You can't make me change. In fact, my life right now functions off of what's most important to me. Who's most important to me? So we establish that question, who's most important in my life? But that reflects another question we need to continually ask ourselves, and you can write it down as this, who do I love most? And, and this is really tricky because we love our family members and for the most part, there is nothing we wouldn't do for them. But how does our love for Jesus compare to our love for our family? Well, Jesus addresses this priority in our home this way when he says, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own life can't be my disciple. Other translations use the word hate. In other words, it kind of reads this way. Anyone who comes to me but does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister, even his own life can't be my disciple. He's not telling us that we're supposed to hate. He's saying that when our love for God is compared to our love for others, including family, including our own life, there's a big difference. In other words, there's only space and only room for one person in our lives to be number one. And we all have to determine who that person is. Who we love most. The answer to that question will define how we love and define our lives as well. My wife, Cynthia, knows that in my life, she's number two. I, I don't mean it the way that it sounds. My boys know they're number three. Other people are number four. I'm number five. It's just, that's the priority of my life. That's what the scripture says. I love my wife to death, but she's not number one. And the good thing is, I'm not number one in her life either. Our culture says that you've put other people first for so long, it's time to put yourself first. And man, we love to hear that. Our human nature, our flesh man, loves to be elevated to that number one spot. You always know who's number one in our lives because the priority of our lives reflects or determines the passion of our lives. So we want to make Jesus the Lord of our lives, the priority in our lives, in our home. So what does it mean to be a Christ-centered family? Well, one of the things that it means, you can write this down, it means we have to establish the standard for our lives. We have to decide what the standard of our lives is going to be. There are many standards that we can live by. Things that are, the world teaches us, like if it feels good, do it. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone, it's fine. Look out for number one, family first. There are so many. The question is, what is the standard that governs your home? Joshua did exactly this when he spoke to the people of Israel. Listen to how he said it. He said, choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. What is the standard you live by in the home? What is the standard that applies to everyone in the home? This standard determines your values, how you behave, and why you behave, the way you behave. Listen, when it comes to family with kids, another thing you can write down is this. It's the parent's privilege to lead their children. We live in a world where parents don't necessarily lead their children. They allow their children to make their own decisions. God gives us the privilege to lead our kids. Joshua answered for the family as the leader of the family. It'll never be a privilege to lead our kids if we don't understand it's a responsibility we have to lead our kids. 
In fact, most parents will forfeit spiritual leadership because they don't understand it's their God-given responsibility to be spiritual leaders to their kids. It's our responsibility as parents to lead our kids to know God and to love God. Proverbs 22 says this, Point your kids in the right direction, and when they are old, they won't be lost. See, our kids follow our lead. They watch what is important to us. They're learning from our example. It's not about knowing it all or being a perfect parent. What we're actually doing is leading our kids to love who we love and to know why we love who we love. And our lifestyle does that. But leading is also not just about example, it's also about instruction. Listen to what scripture tells us to do. It says, listen, the Lord is our God and he is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and strength. Always remember these commands I give to you today. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and walk along the road. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. A Christ-centered home intentionally draws attention to Christ. The instruction we give our kids is intentional. It's an ongoing discussion that we have with our kids. It's not about having all the answers, but it's committing ourselves to discover the answers together. Listen, God's word is a standard to our children when it's a standard to us as adults as well. So what is the discussion of your family? How are you leading that discussion? Is it pointing to Jesus? How's the example that you're giving them to follow? Listen, as this concerns everyone, you can write it down. Don't allow the standard to ever become a motto. It has to be more than something we know about. It has to be something that we live out. Jesus was asked, what's the most important command to follow? And he said, and you know the scripture, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. See, when God's word becomes a slogan to us, it stops being a standard for us. Listen, the standard of a Christ-centered home is loving God and loving people. So we want to be asking God, God, how can I love you with all of my heart? Is there an area of my life or a part of my love that I've reserved for something else that I've given to something else? Show me what that is. That's what David said when he wrote this. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, this is not about changing the people in our family. This is about allowing God to change us personally. Something else you can write down is this. The standard is a personal relationship with Jesus. Ultimately, this is the goal that we desire for everyone in the home. This is the goal that God desires for our home. Nothing is more powerful than for the kids in our home to be led into a relationship with Jesus through the parents of the home. So if we're going to establish Christ as the center of our family, then something else we've got to remember is this. We experience Jesus together. There is no perfect family. The Christ-centered family will also experience challenges. But the example that I follow as a dad is the same example that my wife is following and that my kids are following. We all follow Jesus. See, the purpose of the parents is what they produce in their kids. Listen to what it says in the book of Malachi. It says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Can I just remind you that it is our responsibility as parents to lead our kids to love God and know God personally. 
So what are the action steps that we can take from this? Some ways that we experience Christ in our home is through this, through our words. Because we know that our words are life and death. They either encourage people or discourage people. They either lift others up or tear them down. The family should be a place where we are building each other up with our words, encouraging one another. It's the standard that Christ gave us for our home. Ephesians says, don't use harmful words. Use only helpful words, the kind that build up. Men specifically listen to the instruction that we're to follow. It's also found in Ephesians. It says, husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring out the best in her. That's part of the way that we're supposed to love our wives is with our words. That's the goal. It's the standard that we keep before us. We also establish Christ in our home through this, our prayers. When it comes to prayer in the family, we have this great privilege to experience Christ in our homes when we pray together. And as parents, we get to model the importance of prayer. Also, when we pray, we're showing our family what humility looks like. Men, nothing shows that you love your wife and kids more than when you go to God on their behalf. See, prayer brings us to our Heavenly Father with our needs, but it also brings us to surrender to His will in our lives over our own desires. Jesus modeled this for his disciples. You know the verse? Going a little ahead, Jesus fell to the ground and he prayed for a way out. Papa, Father, you can. Can't you get me out of this? Take this cup away from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? Nothing displays our dependence upon God like our prayers to God. And I encourage you to pray with your wife. Pray with your kids. Also, we establish Christ in our home through our obedience. The home is a great place for our kids to observe what obedience looks like in our life as adults. The home can be a great place where we nurture